Peace and mercy be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is the Old Testament. Here's a portion of that text again. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, sir, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lie down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. This is the word of the Lord. There may be times in your life where, like Samuel, like the nation of Israel, where you struggle to hear the voice of God. Maybe during those times, like Israel, your agenda sometimes gets in your way. A little bit of background on what was happening in Israel. They had not heard a word of the Lord for a long time because they had their own agendas in mind. They were being led by people, a priest who was not walking closely with the Lord, and his sons were off on their own, doing their own thing, and they were even abusing the gifts of God. Eli had raised sons who were unfaithful to their calling. When the people would bring their first fruit offerings to God, Eli's sons would take for themselves the best, the fatted portion of the meat, and give God the leftovers. And so God told Eli that his, his reign, his prophecy, his ministry would end with his generation. And he would raise up for himself a new prophet who would be faithful. In the background of that story, Hannah was one who was seeking to have a son, and she had been deal, dealing with barrenness for a long time. And so she prayed to God that God would give her a son. And if God gave her a son, he would, she would dedicate that son back to God. What's interesting about that story is when that son was born and she took him to the temple to dedicate him to God, she let Eli raise him. What an irony to, to give, again, the trusted responsibility of raising up the next generation to someone who had been already unfaithful. But isn't that just like our God, a God who gives us second chances? So he gave Eli the opportunity to raise up the new prophet Samuel, who would once again be faithful to the work that God had called him. So I ask a question of you. Have you been moments in your life where you struggle to hear God's voice? Because your agenda sometimes gets in the way. I know what happened to me when I was a young pastor. I remember getting my first assignment, my first call, to Detroit, Michigan. And I remember as the pastor announced my location, thinking quietly to myself, what sin have I committed? (laughs) Or what sin has my parents committed that I end up here in Detroit? Because I remember having that pre-conversation with my assignment placement professor, and he said, where do you want to go? I said, well, I'll go anywhere except four places. I don't want to go to Detroit. I don't want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to New York or L.A. Now, he's knocked off two of those already, so New York and L.A. are only down the road somewhere in the road. (laughs) But I arrived at Detroit 
try to make the best of things, hoping that I could somehow make it work out, but my heart wasn't in it. And when things started to go awry, when the congregation didn't seem to care as much about outreach as I did, I felt in my own mind I had done my penance, and it was time for me to find a way out of this horrible situation, besides the fact that lions are really bad that year. Matter of fact, every year, but that's not the story. And so I went about my own agenda, seeking to find a way out of my situation, ignoring the fact that maybe God placed me there for a reason, to help me grow and develop as a pastor. And all I could think about was, how do I get out of this situation? I called all my friends and said, you've got to have some place better than this. And so I ended up in St. Louis. But I look back at those days and I go, was my agenda standing in the way of God's desire for me? Did God have something to teach me that I refused to learn and listen from? And if I did, I learned it when I was in St. Louis because I went from the frying pan into the fire. But maybe in your own life, God is trying to speak to you, trying to get through your agenda, through your, your idea about what your life should be, and you're ignoring the voice of God, much like Israel did. And so God finds a way when we are ignoring his will to break through, and sometimes he uses people we would never imagine to break through to get to us. Sometimes it's a child who tells you that you work too many hours, or a teenager who reminds you that you're not as open to things as you should be. Maybe it's a friend or a song. Maybe you're driving down the road and a song comes on on the radio, a hymn or a praise song that gets right at the thing that God is trying to tell you. And he just screams through those words into your ears, you're ignoring my will for you. You're doing things your own way again. For Samuel and for Israel, God did break through. He broke through to Eli because Eli still didn't realize that what he was doing and allowing his sons to do was wrong. So he spoke to the young boy, prophet Samuel, to say, what you have done with your responsibility as priest for this nation has been wrong. You've led people down a wrong path. But I'm going to give you a second chance to start over again. I remember one mistake I made as a, as a recent mistake. I've made many of them. But I remember asking my staff and my kids, what are my blind spots? Never ask people, what are your blind spots? Because many people are more than happy to tell you what your blind spots are. But I did that because I wanted to know if there's something in my life that I don't recognize that other people do see. And all my coworkers said, oh, no, you're pretty self-aware. So I turned to my kids and never ask your kids what's wrong with you. And my 21-year-old daughter freely jumped in. She's like, do, do you really want to know, Dad? I'm like, well, now that you say that, maybe not. But she, she spoke to me truth that God was telling me. And so who is that person in your life that God is using to break through your agenda to realize that maybe you're not following the path that God wants you to, that you're ignoring the gifts that God has set apart for you, if you have run into that problem like I have, how do you get back on track? How do you figure out what has God called you to do? What has God placed on your life to do? And every one of us has a calling. Every one of us has been gifted, created by God with a special purpose, a special divine purpose that only we can do by the gifts that God has given us. 
but often we don't like those gifts that God gave us. We don't want that assignment. But I would warn you of this. If you're running from the assignment that God gave you, you don't really want a big fish experience to bring you back. So pray, what is it that God has placed on my heart? He's created me to be. And what's the assignment that God has in mind for me? So here's how you discover what that is if you don't know what that assignment is. And I, I often believe many people do know. And we just keep ignoring it. Hoping it goes away. Hoping that somehow there's a time limit on it. That we get too old to do it. But whatever it is, it's important. Whether your assignment from God is, is something as, as you think maybe as simple as being an encouraging spirit on Sunday morning. Maybe God gave you the gift of seeing hurting people in the pew and you have just the right words of encouragement, just the right time for somebody who's in need. Maybe it is you have a gift of teaching and, and, the, and you can see the word of God and somehow make that word of God come alive in people's life. Maybe it's the use of your hands. You have the ability to build, build things that no one else can build or solve things that no one else can solve. But whatever that gift is, whatever God has called you to do, whatever the gifts he's given you is to build up God's kingdom. So here's how you discover what those things are. First, you've got to be open to whatever God is leading you to. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. In Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So once you ask God to reveal to you what that thing is he's called you to do, be willing to accept what he's sending you off to do. In Proverbs 19:21, it says this, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So often we feel like what we have to offer really isn't very much. But I love the words of Corinthians, where it says, we, we have this treasure in clay jars. So often we focus so much on the outward clayness of us and say, look, I'm just this flawed, you know, insignificant jar. And that's true. We are. We are clay jars. But what God wants to use these clay jars is what's important. The rest of part of that Corinthians passage because there is a treasure stored up in those jars with unsurpassing power of God. What's inside of you is not is the power of God that he wants to show through your gifts and your abilities and you using your calling to make a kingdom impact. So don't focus so much on the jar. Focus on the treasure in the jar. Because the treasure in the jar is not you, it's from God. And God wants to use you as a people of God, the ordinary, to do something extraordinary. And the last part of that is, trust the plans I have for you, says God. In Jeremiah 10, verse 23, says, Lord, I know the people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. And in Proverbs 16, verse 9, in their hearts, humans plan their cause, their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Trust God's process for your life. When we are born, it marks the beginning of a journey. That journey continues until somebody puts a flag in the ground, usually a tombstone, that marks our end. The day we were born, the day we die, 
really don't matter. What matters is that dash in between, the life that you live in between. What are you doing with the dash? Is your dash one that makes a difference in the world? Is your dash ones that matter? I always tell my kids, when I go, I hope that the church is full, not because I'm that vain, but I pray that my life made a difference. And I pray that people who come to that funeral come because they were impacted by that dash. I pray they come to support you and remind you that my dash mattered, to encourage you to make sure your dash matters. So I ask you, St. Paul, what are you doing with your dash? Are you living your life in God's calling for you so that your dash matters? So your dash has kingdom impact? So your dash is reaching the people that God has called you and gifted you and ordained you and empowered you to reach? Is your dash making a difference? Because in the end, the day you're born and the day you die are irrelevant. What lives on is your dash. As we talk about stewardship, it really is more about are we using our time and our talents and our treasures to make sure that we have maximum kingdom impact with our dash? Because God uniquely called us He saved us through his son's death and resurrection for us. And through our faith in that gift, we have this immeasurable treasure to share with the world. Because God shared it with us. He gave his life for me, and I just want to give back something to him that matters. And all I have to give is what he's given me. My gifts, my talents, and my abilities to make a difference for him. May your dash matter. May your dash impact the world. May your dash lead people to Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.